The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 280. It's 280. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation. The Eagles are 5-0. and And for the second week now, they are the lone undefeated team in the NFL. The NFC East is back, baby. Eagles 5-0. and Cowboys 4-1. Giants 4-1. Commanders, Washington football team, whatever you want to call them, they still stink. They're one and four. Uh, but the NFC East is back. Eagles have a huge, huge matchup coming up this Sunday night against the Dallas Cowboys for early NFC East supremacy. We won't get to much of that in this podcast episode. We will get to that in the next one. For now, we will recap the Eagles' uh, win over the Cardinals out in Arizona. Uh, our takeaways from that game, both from the game itself and, you know, maybe things to be concerned about, uh, encouraged by uh, going forward. But before we get into all that, I know that I need to learn about where I can get my meat snack fix. Eagles have been loading up, Jimmy, on the meat snacks have this they? year. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, they're undefeated, so they yeah, must. Oh, have that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, anyone can figure that out. But yes, I have also heard that. Per source, uh, righteous felon craft jerky is what they are snacking on, and you can get some for yourself by going to righteousfelon.com and using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. I always like to say the website is free. It doesn't cost you anything to go to the website and check out what they have. If you want to buy something, you use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Jimmy, as you said, the Eagles are 5-0. and It's an exciting time. Huge. Huge, huge, huge game this week, but we have to break down the Eagles-Cardinals matchup that was, um, by law, we have to, um, since it did happen, and this is the recap show. Uh, I guess, which side of the ball do you want to start on? Kind of a boring game, really, Uh, but it was, it started out, let's start with the offense, I think. They got going early, and then they stalled, and weren't, I mean, they've had, they had good drives along the way, but... Uh, they had the two early touchdowns and then that was it. <laughs> and then from there on, from there on out, it was, it was basically, they just had the better replacement kicker, uh, than the Cardinals in this game. 
But they jumped out to an early lead, 14 nothing. It looked like they were just going to roll this team, and they ultimately didn't. I thought the game plan was a little odd. It was a lot of QB sneaks, which made sense in the situations they were in on those. And then a lot of screens to the perimeter, which, I mean, I guess th- that's a result of not liking what they're seeing uh, in the run game, and then they're just tossing it out to the perimeter uh, instead uh, on those RPO-type RPO plays. But there was just so many of them, and they didn't really take many shots down the field. Weird game for uh, A.J. Brown, who mm. didn't even play on the first four snaps of the game. And then he comes in, and he gets three targets on three consecutive plays. I think he caught two of those. He had one more catch the rest of the game, and he wasn't targeted after. there. There's, I think his last target came with like 11 minutes left in the third quarter of this game. Meanwhile, Dallas Goddard got... Uh, what do you get? Nine, tar- nine or ten targets. Uh, Devontae Smith got like nine or ten targets. Uh, AJ Brown got seven targets, which doesn't look that crazy, it's you a know, in number. print. But yeah, it was uh, th- he was not really featured in this game, which came to a surprise. Came came as a surprise to me because you know when I looked at this Cardinals defense in the lead up to this game, you know, one of the things that I, I noted was they don't have any players in their secondary that are even six foot so they're all they're all 511 or shorter and they're all like 190 pounds or lighter and i thought this was a this was a, a you know a bunch of guys that that he could body up and uh, they just didn't really take advantage even like on the quick screens his mo is that he's a guy that gets right. yards after the catch so it was weird that they threw so many of those out there and, and he didn't i don't did he get any of those not that i remember i mean they tried to throw him kind of one where he dropped it, it was like the third straight target for him on that uh-huh. first drive. Um, which, by the way, the first two plays they went to looked pretty good when they went to <laughs> Yeah, yeah the guy guards like the just, chunk plays down the field. Just the idea that, like, okay, your offense is kind of struggling now. It's not clicking like it was early in the game. Why don't we force feed the ball to our very best player on offense? Yeah. Like, that didn't happen, and that's so bizarre. And I don't want to hear – there's no good excuse. I mean, Sirianni kind of talked about, okay, there was a play in there where it was designed to go to AJ, and it got deflected. But, like, I don't want to hear anything about, well, the defense was covering him really well. Like, no. Like, come on. Like, there's there's no defense that just completely, like, erases A.J. Brown from being a factor for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Yes, that doesn't exist. And if it does, then someone has to be, like, wide open elsewhere. And uh, I don't think that was the case. So that was really strange to me. And almost, like, not getting enough talked about enough. Like, if that was, if that was a loss, if they lost this game, oh, I think yeah. that would be getting more oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. play than it is currently. Because that's just, like, really bizarre to me. I don't think Who knows if he tweets something after the game, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's a <laughs> right. win, so that's not going to happen. But if they mm-hmm. lose, like, what happens on that front? You know what I mean? That's a good point. And it's just, it's really bizarre. I don't think it's something that's going to continue. I think, and that's my big takeaway, my, like, thousand foot, whatever, uh, view of this game as a whole is I think there's some people, I don't know how much, uh, I don't want to overestimate it, um, that seem to be maybe like a little concerned after this game. It's like, how did we, you know, barely get by the Cardinals, uh, mm-hmm. who haven't really been all that great? Right. When I don't really think this game was what the Eagles have been this year. Like, I think this was more of an anomaly kind of game. And going into it, you know, I did say, I picked the Eagles clearly and I picked them to cover. So I expected them to do better than they did. Don't, right. Don't get me wrong, but I did say this was a game that was like ripe for trap game conditions. And also there's just the, like the default nature of the NFL being so unpredictable, like weird things are going to happen. Like the Colts are going to beat the chiefs. 
and the Jaguars are going to get uh, beat easily by the Texans for the billionth time. Like it's just there's there, you know there's there's games that don't necessarily reflect what the team is, and that was this to me. I'm not like super concerned about the Eagles coming out of this game. I thought there was just like weird things like that going away from AJ Brown or like relying on over relying on the quick passing game like that. So uh, not to say that like you can just simply discard any concerning thing, but I just, I'm not, it's not my overall takeaway is that this team is in trouble. So I will say um, on the, you know, conservative play calling front, it did make some sense on, on some levels because they did have three offensive linemen out at one point in the game. Jordan Mylad, of course, didn't play uh, with his shoulder injury. So um, Jack Driscoll started at left tackle. Yeah, no Landon Dickerson either. came out at one point during the game. Uh, actually, I think at a couple different points in the game, but he didn't finish. He, he came out early and then like really late. So Sua Opeta filled in for him for like the third or fourth time this season, right? I think like he's come out of uh, yeah. like, I think three other games, two, two or three other games uh, yeah. other than this one so far this season. So that's a little bit of a concern going forward. And then Jason sure. Kelsey, when he went down near the end of the first half, that looked a lot worse than what it ultimately turned out to be. I don't know if what they showed on the TV feed, but he was rolling around on the field for a little while in, in like, very clear pain. Nick Sirianni was out on the field, like on a knee, like near him. There are other players sort of like starting to gather around. When that happens, you think, uh oh, this is, this is a bad injury. And then he, he missed three snaps uh, at the end of the first half and he came back in at the beginning of the second half. That guy is an animal. Uh, so yeah, it's good to see him come back into the game. But they did, you know, they, they did have some offensive line injury adversity to overcome. And it made sense, I guess, to lean on the run game. And of course, uh, I guess the highlight of this game for the offense was the 17-play, 70-yard drive um, that resulted in a field goal, ultimately. I thought they were way too conservative at the end of that drive, where, like, I thought it was—once uh, once they got really close, it was like, okay, well, the priority here should be on scoring a touchdown, not on bleeding out the rest of the Cardinals' timeouts. And they ran—I think they had first and goal from, what, the 10 or the 9? It was a long first and goal and they ran it twice, you know, got a few yards each time. And then they only took the one shot into the end zone on what, like third, third and goal from the four five, six, somewhere in that range. And they didn't get it. So, um, yeah, they wound up with three on that drive and the Cardinals had plenty of time to the Eagles did it. You know, they, they were successful in bleeding out the rest of their timeouts, I guess, but, uh, there was still plenty of time for, for the Cardinals to, to do something after the end of that game. But this team has proven over and over again that they are awesome in that four-minute drive situation. And in this case, it was like four-minute drive plus four-minute drive. So they took you know almost eight minutes off the clock on that drive. And it's just so impressive when they're able to do that. And, and impressive that they were able to do it with, with two offensive line reserves in the game at that time. Uh, I mean, just pay Jeff Stoutland whatever, whatever it is he wants to, to make sure that he stays on this team for the foreseeable future. Uh, I thought a good point because you just brought up the four minute thing there. And obviously the Eagles have been really good at scoring at the end of first halves. A big reason why, and I know we're talking about the offense, but um, a big reason why the offense maybe didn't do as good as they or well as they could have. What are you doing there? What are you I dropping? just uh, moved my keys and I dropped them uh, when I was nice. trying to move them. Uh, bad job by me. Bad job by you. Uh, uh, so Shane Half made this point on the BGN radio post game show that like, you know, a big, um, problem with the special teams unit giving up that fake, which by the way, anecdotally, I feel like the Eagles have not stopped a fake 
like anything fake special teams <laughs> play in like forever. I can't remember the I last forgot about that fake. Yeah, that was a, that was a big play. Because uh, then the Cardinals got three, and more than that, um, the Eagles were robbed of a chance to get points in a yes. scenario where they've been very good this year. So you know, you would think they would have had a good chance to add at least maybe a field goal there at the end of the half. So and I, they probably would have opened point. it up more on that ensuing drive instead of yep. you know more of the same screens and such. Maybe we would look at this game differently if they hadn't sure. if they hadn't gotten beaten on that fake punt. Absolutely. So that was a, that was a big deal um, and something that hurt the offense. Um, uh, yes. Uh, so they had, you know, things kind of went a little bit dry in the second half. Uh, uh, the, the drive to end the game was awesome. Let's talk about Jalen Hurts. Because... Well, hold on real quick. The one thing I wanted to also mention on that late on that final drive was Dallas Goddard made a great play to keep that drive alive. Whereas well, third and 11, third and 12 or whatever it was, Jalen Hurts checked. At right. the line to a different play, and he hit Goddard. Goddard was able to make the guy miss, uh, got the first down. Goddard was, um, you know, a big part part of this game plan, obviously. Um, and when they did, you know, kind of throw the ball, at least to the intermediate areas of the field, he seemed to be the guy that they were targeting there, uh, which makes sense because Isaiah Simmons can't cover. So, like, I think that's a, a mismatch that they that they wanted to take advantage of. But, uh, yeah, I did want to make sure that I just uh, noted Dallas Goddard on that long 17-play drive that – didn't put the Cardinals away, but, uh, you know, gave the Eagles a chance to, you know, let their defense close it out. Was Goddard the best screen tight end in the NFL? Mm, Kelsey is very good, say, too. You know, Kelsey's obviously up And there. Kittle's good at that, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wall- That's not really Darren Waller's game. No. Uh, not like Mark Andrews, really, either, right? Right, yeah. He's more of like an arts type. Yeah. Um. Have yeah, he's in that top three. I would say he's elite. he's in the he's, he's in the ballpark of of Kittle and and Kelsey. Sure, an elite tight end when it comes to screens for sure. Um, uh, let's talk about Jalen Hurts because that's relevant. Oh, Janu Smith is very well regarded okay. as, uh, <laughs> but I don't think we can put him in that category. You really don't want to talk about Jalen Hurts because every time <laughs> I bring him up, you just keep cutting me off. Uh, Interesting game for Hertz. You know, you could say it's his worst game, which isn't like a great thing because you also could have said that like last week against the Jags. Mm-hmm. Um, but like for my winners, losers, uh, I don't know categories. Like I would probably put him in winner, I feel like this week, because ultimately I think he did some important things that mm-hmm. check you said was important. Um, he had a, like, I think a play that's been underrated uh, when like this, seeing how this game has been discussed since um, on the Eagles second touchdown drive where it was third and 12 at their own 11 and he rolled left oh, right. and he yeah. threw to Devontae Smith. Like that was freaking awesome across it was like his a 20 body. something yard gain. I think. Yeah. It was a 22 yard gain. Like that was huge at a point where, you know, easily he doesn't get that. He goes mm-hmm. back deep. They have the punt. Um, Cardinals start with good field position. So that was great to go up 14 to zero. Um, and then also um, you mentioned the conversion already. But also uh, his mobility also came up big. Mm-hmm. Um, that final drive too, he ran for a nine-yard gain at one point, and then uh, he had the sneak. The sneaks were obviously big all game. Um, he had a 16-yard run on a third in, or no, that was sorry, that was the completion. I'm looking here. Uh, he had a big run at one point, and I can't remember when that was. Was that not on the last drive? Um, I guess not. But in any case, uh, interesting game for him. Had a dropped pick like that. That, that easily should have been. Should have absolutely should have been an interception. Um, so that wasn't great. Um, yeah, definitely have to ding him for that. Uh, but overall, even though it wasn't like his best game, I don't feel discouraged by this performance. What do What do you make of it? Yeah, he had two rushing touchdowns. I think you can point to the lack of um touchdowns through the air 
like if you just like stat watching, you can go. He didn't throw any touchdowns. So what? They got it. Like he he scored two with his feet. What's the difference? Who cares? Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's what he is. He's he's gonna be a guy who makes plays with his feet. Those screens, by not screens, those sneaks, by the way, they seem even easier to convert these days because now they're just putting a guy like right behind the quarterback and you have a, you have him like pushing the quarterback through the line uh, or like to the edge or wherever. Um, and I feel like teams are, are all over the NFL are sort of adopting that strategy. And they, whenever I see that the, the guy from, you know, pushing from behind, it always, it, it seems like they're always converting on those, on those uh, sneaks. So keep running the crap out of those. Uh, but as far as his overall performance, what, what did he have? Like two, thir- two, 250 something yards, I think. He completed. Uh, 26 of 36 for 239, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, and an 89.9 pass rating. So a little on, like somewhere in the, in the 60 to 70% range, which uh, not super impressive because a lot of those throws were just, you know, chuck it out to the perimeter and that's it. Um, but the, the, I think the, his play of the day, as you mentioned, was the play where he, where he went to his left, reset his feet, and threw the ball on the money to Devontae Smith. That was a, the type of play that a year ago usually went badly. Like w- when you get him to roll to the left yeah. and uh, make him throw on the run that in that direction, um, yeah, usually bad things happen. But um, uh, on Sunday, he made a nice play there. And he's made other plays like that going to his left um, you know, this season. So I think that's a, a, an area of correction. Uh, that, that he's done so far this year. And then just uh, generally speaking, I think that his biggest area of improvement is pre-snap reads. Um, we've talked about, you know, in previous games, he, he's made checks at the line that were correct. He made the check at the line on the Dallas Goddard play um, where he got out of, uh, it was a man beater and he recognized that the Cardinals were not going to be in man coverage. So he checked out of a play that was basically just a, a three-step drop out of shotgun um, it wasn't, um, a hot route necessarily, uh, if, if they brought the blitz, but it was the, the, the patterns that were run were designed to, you know, get the ball out reasonably quickly. And Goddard was the first receiver in the progression on that play was my understanding. Um, and his route was sort of the shortest of the, of the guys in, you know, in, in routes on that play. And he was open and he hit him and he got the first down. So, uh, yeah, I think that more so than accuracy or throwing on his run, uh, on the move to the left or anything like that, I think that the more than anything, his, his greatest area of, of improvement is pre-snap recognition. Yeah, so I guess the way I'd sum it up is, like, not a great game. Um, he made important plays, high leverage plays that contributed to winning the game. And the other quarterback didn't. So right. I think that's the difference between a guy like Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray. The end of the game sequence was just crazy to me where it's uh, what was it? Thir- what was that play? Was it third and third and 10 or th- third, maybe a little I'll more than that. Here. So yeah, it was their final drive, obviously um, with the missed field goal. It was um, third and wait a minute. It was second and 10. Yeah. Oh, so right. Second. It was yards. second. Yeah. Yeah. Second and long. So they, they, Murray runs it (laughs) and it was very very clear to me from like 80 yards away that he slid short of the sticks like there was no doubt in my mind that he started to slide well short (laughs) first of all he had a lane toward the sideline that was wide open he could have gotten out of bounds and stopped the clock all in one shot Uh, instead he just headed straight up the field no awareness, in my opinion, at all uh, on that play. And he slides short of the sticks, gets up, 
the stadium like displays all they all said first and ten. So I don't know if that's what they were looking at instead of the sticks. The sticks didn't move. So I saw the first and ten displays all over the stadium. I was like, what? Mm. He didn't get the first out. He, what, are you kidding me? And I looked at the sticks and they didn't move. So I was like, oh, well, he didn't get it. The the stadium is wrong because <laughs> they didn't move the sticks. Apparently, the the Cardinals were watching the stadium display and not the mm. sticks because Cliff Kingsbury was apparently yelling. I don't think this part was Murray's fault because they did expl- Murray explained after the game that he, they were yelling in his headset spike 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 so he gets up to the line spikes it fourth and one, not, so now it's fourth and one and they have no choice but to try the field goal at that point but man you you talk about like just dumb teams and the eagles work a ton on these situational type of things like these these end game situations uh, end of first half situations, and they're very competent. They make all the right decisions, you know, on those. And and a lot of that has to do with you know them repping it every day in practice. I think uh, some of it has to do with you know Nick Sirianni isn't calling the plays anymore, so he can more focus on game and clock management while Steichen is actually calling the plays. So when I you know um, Sirianni was asked after the game. Did you, were you aware what the down and distance was? And he said, yeah, we looked at the sticks. It was third and one. So like we knew it was third and one. Um, The Cardinals didn't for whatever reason, they did not know that it was Cliff Kingsbury kind of tried to blame the officials. He said, I thought for sure that he had the first down and then they moved it back. Like they didn't move it. I watched the review. They didn't move the, they didn't set the ball and then move it back. They, 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 they put the ball down. They, they snapped it and spiked it. So like, that's the difference between a team that has, excuse my language, it's a team that has their shit together and a team that doesn't. Like the Cardinals just don't, they, for whatever reason, they're just a dumb team that either isn't repping that in practice or the quarterback is unaware or the head coach is unaware. But the result is what happened at the end of this game where they lost a chance to get more yards down the field, potentially touchdown maybe. Uh, and instead they have to feel, they have to settle for a field goal attempt with a replacement kicker who then go, goes ahead and, and misses a, a game-tying kick. Uh, so that's the difference between a smart team and a good team. Uh, a smart team well, and, a, and a not smart team. Well, who is the Cardinals' offensive coordinator? Uh, you know, I don't it's even know. Kingsbury. So, like, oh, yeah, you know, okay, you know, okay. Like, so, so, like, that's, you know, a situation where it benefits you, or behooves you, if you will, to have the head coach and offensive uh, play caller be separate. Because then, you know, the right. coach can actually focus on the situation where uh, the play caller can, you know, uh, there's, there's a delineation there. Um, so, uh, yeah. And another distinction I would make is, you know, how the Eagles handled signing their, uh, their, their emergency kicker, you know, the, the <laughs> right. Dicker, the kicker who Cameron Dicker, who NFC special teams player of the week for week five, another kind of a week award, in my opinion, not to oh, my God, away yeah. for him, but like <laughs> he made a 42 yard field goal and then a 23 yard <laughs> field goal. Right. And he and made, he made a couple points. PATs. <laughs> I mean, it is impressive in the standpoint. I mean, like, give him credit. He came in short notice. Um, he's undrafted rookie for agent. He's 22. Like, yeah, you know, certainly that's all nice and not just to be taken for granted because there are teams with kickers who are on the roster who might not be, you know, certainly reliable. Um, but uh, but to the to the Eagles credit here, um, they signed him and apparently scouted him well, at least so far. Whereas the Cardinals may have not done that because they had yeah. Matt Amendola who missed some kicks earlier this year including an extra point uh, in a game with the Chiefs that the Chiefs lost. 
um, and also a field goal in that game. Um, so, you know, like maybe, you know, this is where that edge in the per- player personnel department comes up big too. Like the Eagles made mm-hmm. a good signing and the Cardinals didn't. So, um, yeah, in the end, I think uh, it was a deserved win for the Eagles. That's another thing too. That, that's another thing that I feel like is a, a point in like why I'm not concerned. We talk about this being like the Eagles' worst game of the season. They led for 45 minutes and four <laughs> seconds of the game, and they never right. trailed. That's their worst game? <laughs> right. Like, right. Th- were they never trailed? Like, yeah. that's not the worst game to have if that's your worst game. Uh, or second worst game, if you want to call going down 0-14 to, to the Jags worse, but I I don't think you would. Uh, yeah, like if so, you look at like that, that – uh, that FPI thing on ESPN where you see like the little chart mm-hmm. that shows the percentage chances of winning. It's like heavily on the right. Eagles side for the entirety of the game. And even if the Cardinals make the kick, okay, they're going overtime. Like, <laughs> right. It's not like a given that they win. Actually, there's still time left for them to maybe score sure. before even the end of regulation. Right. So because they, because they screwed up the, <laughs> the, the slide and, and spike and field goal attempt. Exactly. All right. So why don't we take a break here and we'll flip over to the defense, but not before we hear quickly about Righteous Selling Craft Jerky, which you can get by going to RighteousSelling.com and using discount code BGN15 for 15% off. And then Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com. Jimmy, Back this is where are you? After, oh. I just threw I threw it to you to promote Kristen Roach. Oh, okay. Well, her phone. <laughs> I'm going to tell her that you I got, missed I got the a text, opportunity. I got a text from my mom saying wow. that she okay? uh, there are special deals for Amazon Prime customers today. Not oh, to, wow. not not to, wow. not that Amazon needs our plug. Yeah, not a sponsor. <laughs> but, but I started thinking, oh, what do I want to buy? Anyway, uh, what do you want to buy? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think I can't think of. Come anything. up with an item like right that. now. Give me something you want to buy. Anything. Let's say it's not even practical. Like it's something you like. If you could buy something right now, what would it be? Anything. Yeah, I don't even know. You would really, nothing I, in your life. I really don't even know. Wow, you're bombing on the podcast. How about you? You got something off the top of your head? Yeah, I want a, um, I really need a new, uh, I could probably use a new um, pair of, I want the new um, AirPods, the new ones, the new ones. Okay. You know, I do have one uh, of uh, a new refrigerator, refrigerator slash freezer, extra for the the garage. Oh, oh, garage refrigerator. Yeah. The second fridge. That's right. What are you putting there? Beer and water, mostly dead bodies, and then like uh, extra, it's just bigger items in that that take up a lot of room sure. in the freezer. Do you have a fridge with the uh, you know, the fountain on it? Like the I do, but I never yeah. use it. Oh wow! <laughs> in fact, so any water I drink is going to be bottled water usually. But wow, then also you hate the for environment the, for the, <laughs> but then also for the uh, for the coffee machine, that water goes through a Brita. Before mm. it even goes into the copy machine, gotcha. Which I don't know why. I, I, I mean, there are some things that I care about in terms of being, uh, you know, like OCD, germaphobe, mm. and then there are other things just not at all. Right. <laughs> but anyway, Kristen Roach, Roach Trailers, eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. If you are looking to buy or sell your home, again eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Brandon, back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make 
all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, let's talk about the Eagles' defense against the Cardinals. Is it time to fire Jonathan Gannon? (laughs) Well, Vic Fangio uh, reportedly is Mm. consulting for the Eagles, according to Michael Kisp of, uh, I actually have a thing written already. I haven't published it yet. And I have him as Michael Kist of SB Nation. What do you think I should do? Should I leave it like that? Or should I have well, Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation? I mean, I think it's only fair to attribute both because he's a Bleeding Green Nation alumnus who kind of like, you know, in theory, Kist will sometimes and Solak maybe even pop up on this feed again, like very occasionally. And Kiss still has a, a big uh, hand, I will say, in like influencing what BGN Radio looks like on a whole. Like he's okay. still very much involved in his current role. So like, you know, it's it's weird to kind of just think like he's totally detached because he's not. I'm so not doing both. Of, I'm going to do one or the you other. Have to do both. It's your and, call. Which one is um, it? Well, his official title is like whatever uh, executive, you know, team producer or whatever for the, the podcast team brand podcast. I'm sorry for butchering your title, Kiss especially because you're kind of my boss at some level. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, he uh, he he put that scoop out there that Fangio is court, which is not like a surprise because we, you know, we saw him sure. at Eagles training camp time and time again, although Nick Sirianni did downplay his involvement for sure. And then we saw him at Miami, which you pointed out, which is really strange. Like he traveled with the team. Okay, yes. that's weird. Um, defense has been better this year. And it's not like I imagine – um, my sense is that it's not like Fangio is he's not like involved in the game day operation to my knowledge like you know he's not like in the booth you know making calls and like in in Gannon's ear as much as it seems to be he's consulting remotely and thus would seemingly be involved with like game planning stuff and getting ready for the game at least that's my read on the situation um but like going back to the you know obviously tongue-in-cheek fire Gannon this is like a weird game because on one hand, the Eagles only allowed 17 points. So it's mm-hmm. like, how do you really get too mad? But, you know, aesthetically, it was similar, too similar to Eagles defense of the past where soft other team just easily, you know, getting what they want uh, over the middle. Um, uncharacteristically bad game from TJ Edwards, who naturally we praised last week and said right. he deserves a contract extension. Um I don't think, again, that's representative of what he's going to be moving he forward. A few, he had a few missed tackles, but I didn't sure. think he was – I think it was horrible, yeah. Yeah. But he had um, a bad game, for sure. He had his worst game of the year. But another reason why I think like the, the score doesn't tell the whole story is this was a short game in terms of like time elapsed mm-hmm. like, from and then like drives. Like 
the Cardinals only had what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine drives in this game. That's not a lot for context. The Eagles had 12 drives against the Jags last week. So yeah. it was kind of a lower number. And if you look at their last, what is it? One, two, three, four, five drives that the Cardinals had. So their first touchdown of the game field goal at the end of the first half, they punted. Um, uh, and that was when, uh, I'm looking here back at that drive. Never mind. That was a legit stop. Okay. You got one legit stop. Another big drive, 12 plays, 90 yards. The Eagles allow another touchdown to make it a tie game. And then Cardinals, you know, bots, you know, the end of the game there, they missed the field goal, but Mm -hmm. we're certainly in position to get points and could have sent it to overtime. So, um, a strong start for the defense. It looked easy earlier on when that uh, Kyler made that bad throw and Chauncey Gardner Johnson picked off, yeah, uh, picked him off. But like, kind of like a suspect ending there to the game. Yeah, I thought a few different players had uh, shaky games. Uh, in addition to T.J. Edwards, I think Darius Slay had a few opportunities to to make, you know, to make physical plays and didn't like, <laughs> and and uh, their tackling in general. I wouldn't say it was as bad as it was week one against the Lions when they had a, you know, a, a, just a crap ton of, of missed tackles. But I actually uh, have numbers on that for you, Jimmy. Oh, do you? So okay. Missed, yeah, they missed fifth. So they missed 15. 15. In, okay. In week one. Oh, week one. Um, okay. That makes more sense. That was on yeah. 69 snaps. So that's 4.6 snaps for every missed tackle. Ugh. Um then that got better slightly in week two down to 12. It was, then it was five snaps from missed tackle. And then the past two weeks had been really good. Like in week three, mm-hmm. um, they only missed four on 77 snaps. Like that's really good. 19.25 snaps per missed tackle. So that was, well, wa- that was Washington. That was Washington. And then, and then against week four. the Jags, they only had six and that, yeah. that was on 47 snaps. So 7.8, but yeah, this week they were 11. So back Ooh. on the bad end, 6.3 yeah. uh, snaps per missed tackle. Is that it? Just six point three snaps. So the, they, they, I guess they ran uh, sixty nine snaps, seventy something, seventy something snaps. I guess. Yeah. Anyway, I thought the tackling was a problem. Again, not quite as bad as week one, but it was an issue. And then, um, like you mentioned, they didn't play that soft shell defense the entirety of the game, but there were a few snaps where they were in quarters coverage, and I mean, the, there were four guys in the secondary way off the line of scrimmage. And this is a Cardinals team that has not been able to threaten teams deep so far this year. Like they've barely thrown the ball over 20 yards at all the entire season. And a lot of that has to do with DeAndre Hopkins being suspended. Marquise Brown is in a hundred percent. Rondell Moore uh, has missed a, a few games. Moore and Brown both made really nice plays in this game. So, you know, sometimes you kind of can say, all right, well tip your cap. That sure. guy just made an awesome play. Marquise Brown's catch and run for however long that touchdown was, 20, 20-ish yards, I think. Uh, he made a hell of a play on that. Credit him. He did make guys miss uh, along the way. But he made a play. Like the Cardinals, they do have guys that can make plays from the quarterback to Marquise Brown to Rondell Moore. Um, James Conner's a decent running back, I guess. He, didn't, uh, he had like 50-something yards, I think, too. And then their offensive line, old. Like maybe the oldest in the NFL, certainly up there, experienced, but competent. So the Eagles' defensive line didn't really feast the way that they had the previous two weeks against the Commanders and Jaguars. Um, 
I think the Cardinals did a better job of getting the ball out a little bit more quickly than they normally mm-hmm. do. That was part of their game plan in this, and that makes sense with the Eagles defensive line playing as well as it as it has been. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, I'm kind of on the 60,000 foot view. You go, okay, well, they gave up 17 points, and you'll take that. If you're if you're going to give up 17 points, you think that your offense is going to put up at least you know 17 or more, putting you in a good position to win. So uh, I think that the defense was mostly fine, but uh, you definitely want to see them clean up the tackling, and you don't want to see them just leaving huge areas of the field wide open in the intermediate area of the field, especially when your opponent has not been able to go over the top on on anyone so far this year. To my point about how this game kind of felt like an anomaly to me in some ways, obviously they're not going to be facing a mobile threat like Kyler Murray every mm-hmm. week. And I think it was very uh, high on Jan- Jonathan Yen's list of priorities to not let Kyler do damage to yes. them on the ground. And I think, you know, to their lack of pressure in like too encouraging, like inviting those quick throws um, and like the pass rush being disciplined. Um, uh, I think there was something to all that and not just, you know, like, attacking upfield and you know letting him have rush lanes and everything so i think there was something to that and that was some of the trade-off there because they did do a good job of that for the most part um i do think that kyler murray being bad certainly helped them <laughs> or at least bad in big spots like yeah there was just a number of throws that the, he missed that were the one that hurts dude yeah the one that hurts <laughs> at the end of the game like if he makes that they're not even in that whole you know situation with you know the slide and everything um, and that throw was there easily to be made, even like didn't need a perfect pass. He's wide open. Even I don't know what they showed on the telecast on that, yeah. but you could see how wide open he was on the entirety oh, of that you play. You could see how wide open. Oh, you he could. Was. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and... but not, not only at the, not only like when the pass was coming in, when mm-hmm. it was incoming throughout the entirety of the play before the ball came out, you could see just nobody covered him. It was, it must've been like a blown coverage because there was nobody near him the entire play. And he just sailed that. Yep. way the hell over his head like i think it actually even landed out of bounds yeah it did um so that but that also happened with um was it um hollywood brown dropping that pass over the middle at one yeah, oh point? that could have been a touchdown yeah, yeah like that like on a, on a uh, crossing pad or a slant whatever that was there yep. like you know <laughs> so so that is a little concerning because this game i think reasonably could have obviously you're going to get breaks like that every week there's not the offense isn't going to execute at a hundred percent but like it's, it felt like the Cardinals missed on some very high leverage plays um, that didn't have so much to do with the Eagles as much as them kind of just getting lucky on that. So um, not like not a game where, oh, Jonathan Ginn is a total fraud and you have to fire him, but certainly not like the best performance from him. It wasn't the most encouraging, a little troubling. Um, but again, I, I think to a larger point, there's an anomaly to it all. Uh, anything else in the defense? I think that like you're, you're, um, the point on them making unforced errors is the big, again, a big picture view here is it's the other team that's making those, not the Eagles. So, so like they're not the good teams can win games like this when they don't have their a game because the other team has unforced errors. But if the Eagles aren't making unforced errors of their own, they're not the ones a day later going, oh, we could have won this game if not for X, Y, and Z. Whereas the loser teams go, oh, well, we would have won this game if only X, Y, and Z had happened. But guess right. what? They didn't. So, like, it's uh, it's it's a good thing that the Eagles have not had, uh, you, you know, people that cover the Eagles or, or fans of the Eagles have not had to have that discussion on Mondays or Tuesdays after a game. Well, we would have won this game if not for X, Y, Z. What is your biggest concern, I guess, about the Eagles heading out of this matchup? Uh, against the Cowboys? 
Well, or like, just oh, ge- big, just yeah, generally just, like, speaking. Yeah, you know, your takeaway, like, what would you be concerned about coming out of the Cardinals game? Yeah, I, I guess my concern would be, um, you'd like to see a little more of what Jalen Hurts looked like in Week Two against the Vikings when he was just really accurate, had total command of the like- offense, and dominated <laughs> i mean like that's a it's a big ask i guess um but it's been a few weeks since we we've seen him go out and um you know go out, go out and just hit passes in the intermediate short deep areas of the field um and you know hit guys in, in, in a spot where they can get yards after the catch easily uh consistently so um you could argue maybe that that wasn't part of the game plan on Sunday. Uh, wasn't part of the game plan against the Jaguars, which makes sense because it was rainy and windy as hell. Um, but maybe that's part of the issue too. It's like maybe the Eagles aren't aren't trusting as much as 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 uh, as they should be for him to make those plays uh, down the field. When again, I think they would have been there this week. So can he consistently? And will the Eagles consistently let him? make those plays in the intermediate and deeper areas of the field. That's what's going to make them an offense that's more like the Chiefs or the Bills and not just settling for what they have kind of been the last two, three weeks. Yeah, that was part of my concern with him about the offense this week. How much of that, you know, was a lack of confidence in him to some degree, having to go to all those was quick, not like trusting him to hold up maybe a little bit more against the blitz and instead having to like hold his hand with it. Mm-hmm. Um, not to the point where like, again, uh, it's not like raise the alarm. It's just like, I was something I was thinking about, but a, a positive for Hertz is that, uh, I do like how, and I do buy into his attitude, uh, after the game being like, you know, frustrated that the offense yeah. didn't get into the end zone there. Mm-hmm. Cause I think a lot of quarter, maybe this is easily taken for granted, um, and I'm I'm trying not to here, but I think there are a lot of quarterbacks you could see after that game and be like, oh, I'm just so glad we got yeah. the win. Yay! You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay, road win! Right. Yay! Let's and, go home. You know, Fun play right I, home. Yay! It's not like I'm like should I would be like <laughs> shouting down on them for doing that, but I, I like how Hertz is like it wasn't good enough. You know, genuinely was not good enough. Like he knows that they got lucky. Basically, he he could admit it, and that they need to do a better the offense and he needs to do a better job of not putting the defense in that spot where they, you know, have to come up with uh, agree. <laughs> you know, the game winning play. So I do like that attitude. And I think that does inspire confidence and serve them well, especially heading into this matchup. And honestly, that's my biggest take about this Cardinals game is like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they beat the Cowboys. Like, who cares? No, literally no one is going to be like, well, they, but they only narrowly beat the Cardinals if they beat the Cowboys. Um, by any kind of score, basically. So uh, that's what it's really all about. Now, obviously, if they somehow lose to the Cowboys, that would be <laughs> that would be troubling, not only because of that game, but coming off of the Cardinals' performance and the fact that there's two weeks uh, to discuss that loss because the Eagles will be on their bye after Dallas. So that would be a very bad way to go into the bye. Um, but we'll see, and we'll obviously cover more of that game. Uh, later this week, we should cover actually. one quick thing from sure. for that game, which you had a, a an article about. I mm-hmm. think it was this morning about yeah. um, uh, Ian Rappaport reported that unlikely Dak Prescott will start long this shot. Week. Yeah, is the word he used. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so that's even 
even stronger than unlikely. Uh, and it'll be Cooper Rush starting for the Cowboys. If you can't be Cooper Rush, what are we doing? <laughs> like, in just my preliminary look at the Cowboys, they don't, they don't have any, like, they're, they're not really a, a big play threat down the field. He hasn't turned the ball over is why they're winning games. He hasn't thrown any interceptions. He hasn't lost any fumbles. Um, they've been totally winning just on their defense. But this is this is a team that you absolutely have to beat with a backup quarterback. And when the line came out earlier this week at 5.5, I looked at that and went, yeah, that's about right. But I think the overwhelming majority of people in my replies on, on Twitter or whatever were like, wow, that's, that line is too high. And I was like, what, really? You think, like, it's probably going to be Cooper Rush. Like, the, the Eagles are a much more talented team. And they have, a they have like, a backup quarterback playing and a backup quarterback that four weeks ago we might have thought one of the worst backups in the league. A guy that didn't even really make the Cowboys' initial 53-man roster. That line has since come down. Do you know what it is now? Is it, like, four or, three, or even, like, three and a half? I heard it was four and, and a half, spots? but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, think it's, I think it's down to, like, four, maybe even three and a half. Mm. Um but whatever. Uh, so I guess, you know, based on the replies to to that, I kind of expected the line to come down because that was sort of the overwhelming thought that the line was yeah. too high. But this the Eagles are a better team. They have to win this game. And you know what we should also talk about real quick, too? Hmm. Actually, Phillies, six. baby. Yeah. I did want to give the Phillies. That was going to be my final thought. Is okay. Phillies a shout out. But yeah, the line is at six, actually. I'm seeing right now in draft. Oh, really? So. Oh, okay. Well, that's probably after the Rappaport report saying he's, you know, a long shot Possibly. to go. Um, but yeah, Phillies, check out the good fight um, for you know our SB Nation Phillies coverage. But uh, where you know where you can see John Stolness and others. Yeah, Phillies are. Uh, yeah, why don't we just get to final thoughts? So is this, is this final thoughts section? Yeah, this is. Yeah, we're we're wrapped up on on the recap again. Like it's a game that I feel like it's funny. Like we just spent forty minutes on it. But it's like not even worth talking about <laughs> in the sense that like beat the Cowboys. Who cares? Doesn't like literally does yeah. not matter. Uh, this was a check. It like just a check game yep. like okay that's that's that <laughs> but like I, I think it's easy it's very easy to lose focus of that because you invest so much time and emotion into you know this, this certain period on a sunday um not much like, excitement after the win but it would have been people would have been yeah. very angry if they lost sure so it's like, just a check put it in the win column and we're, and then we're on to dallas week it wasn't their best game and they won anyway it's, yeah. it's better to be five and oh and have things to figure out then four and one and have for sure to figure out so you know you sur- survive in advance like sometimes i think so- there is something to be said for style points over the course of a season you can't just have like every game be this ugly grinded out mm-hmm. game that does not portend well but sometimes you are going to have to have those and you just you, you get that and again you capitalize this week i keep saying it but like you capitalize this week you beat the cowboys it's a huge win then that is golden you're in you're in, a, you're in perfect shape um the phillies jimmy speaking of perfect shape have not lost in the postseason <laughs> uh crazy crazy times that we live in where they just look so bad at the end of the regular season there and a part of me not actually but like a part of me like wanted them to not even make the playoffs just because i was so frustrated i'm like i don't want i don't want to watch them because like, they're just gonna get in the playoffs and yeah, it's gonna just be gonna like you they made the playoffs <laughs> and then like just, they just get swept and it'd be just like so a big a big waste of time yeah but Sure enough, I was foolish. And obviously, again, if I had my druthers, I would obviously take them to make it over not making it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, baseball's fun. Playoff baseball in that. Uh, and, you know, there's some some of this with the NFL, too. It's not just always about the best team winning because it's not a seven-game series until it's the World Series. Um, it's uh, especially these these smaller game series like the wild card, the three games, and now 
here in the NLDS, which is five games, best of five games. Anything can happen. And uh, I love the Phillies shutting down the Cardinals, who were the team, you know, like to end uh, their run, basically, uh, 11 years ago, prior to the Phillies, um, the last time they'd made the playoffs uh, this year. And, uh, and now they're up 1-0 on the Braves as, as of right now when we are recording this on uh, Wednesday, 11.09 p.m. Eastern. I know the Phillies play again today. Uh, yeah, love to see it. I had uh, I, I was in Sedona yesterday, and because it was a 1 o'clock start uh, Eastern, it was 10 in the morning there, which is awesome. Wow. <laughs> so like I, went, uh, I, wrote, I got up at like 4 a.m., wrote what I had to write, went on a hike, came back, and I was all ready to watch the Phillies game at uh at 10 a.m. Go to the hotel lobby bar restaurant whatever. I'm like, hey, can you put the uh can you put on Fox? And they're they couldn't like they're like, oh, I don't know if we can do that. I'll try to find somebody. So I'm sitting there like watch waiting for them to like get somebody to to notice how to use the remote control. And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Homer Simpson when he is feeling like he's missing the, the chili cook-off. He's like, the chili cook-off's going down. I'm missing it. And I could see the Phillies are scoring runs. And I'm like, come on. Let's go. So I had to leave. I had to like go to like another restaurant like down the street. <laughs> and like they put the game on. So it was fun watching the game uh, out there for the first, I don't know, five, six innings or whatever. And then on the drive from Sedona to the airport, they had uh, I had uh, Sirius on, and it was mm-hmm. the Braves telecast, oh. and the Braves radio guys, and I'm sure this is this is league wide, yeah. But holy crap, yeah, it can't get any more homerific. Oh yeah, <laughs> and again, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's league wide. I'm sure the Phillies announcers are are just as I don't I haven't listened to a Phillies game on the radio in a long time. Well, Fransky in LA are great. Yeah, okay, great job. Yeah. Um, but but my favorite part of that was they were so mad at Jose Alvarado asking for the mound to be manicured. And apparently it took a really long time for them to fix the mound for Jose Alvarado to be happy with the way the mound was. Mm-hmm. And these Braves announcers just would not stop talking like they for the entirety of the time that they were fixing the mound. And granted, it was a long time, like because <laughs> they they're just going on and on and on about how much they basically hated Jose Alvarado <laughs> and, and this and this mound manicuring demands that he has, which is kind of funny to me that you know the road grounds crew would even go to such lengths to make this guy happy. I mean, I guess they yeah. have to if if a player asks for it, but I'm sure there's some standard there. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Baseball. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Baseball. I don't know if baseball, like I know football, of course, but maybe there's an umpire who like has to, you know, like validate that, you know, take a look at it and like see if it's legit uh, yeah. request or whatever. I don't know. But, but apparently, uh, not apparently like all, all like Braves reporters and Braves radio and TV people. And even like the Braves were church. They were chirping at Alvarado when all this was going on, like in game, but all like the Braves reporters and TV people, they're all complaining about it on Twitter and, and whatever. And this is now like my favorite subplot of this series. <laughs> He's got to do this every, every game <laughs> from here on out that he comes into, especially on in games that where they're playing in Atlanta. I mean, might be only one more of those because if the Phillies <laughs> win today on Wednesday. October oh, they got Wheeler 12th, today? They have Wheeler on the mound who, you know, it's pretty good. And then Nola. Yeah. And then Nola, who for his September struggles, maybe uh, might be a, yeah, an October back player. back in the form, yeah. Uh, so that would be huge. I'm I'm so tempted to go to 
um, what's it? They have off day, I guess. They play uh, on Saturday. I know that because yeah, so they have uh, an off day tomorrow and Thursday, and then I think it's the only, if I'm not mistaken, and then they so I guess they play in Philly on Friday and Saturday. And it's Friday, Saturday. And Saturday okay. Yeah, um, I'm so tempted to go on Friday because you know, like just playoff baseball back at the bank. Like, come on, it's awesome. Um, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors is trying to get me to go on Saturday, but mm-hmm. I'll have my daughter. And I know my daughter will be like, you know, the sixth inning will come around. She'll be like, I want to go home. <laughs> That's fair. And I can't have but, that. So we we're, yeah, we're no, just, can't do that. In the we're just not going. We'll just watch um, it on TV. So if, they, if it goes to Sunday, though, then it would be game five in Atlanta, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And then the Eagles Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. Oh, man. Which I don't want that. No. That's, that'd be quite like, a day. No, I don't. I mean, as someone who's, you know, like watching or wants to watch the game, I, I definitely. I don't want that. I don't want to deal we, with we that. We went through that in uh, you know, like 2008, 2009. So it would be before the Eagles game, to be clear. Uh, mm-hmm. It would start, projected start time is 437 on okay. Sunday if they need that game. But obviously, I, I hope they don't need that game also because they're probably, I don't know, I don't feel good about their chances necessarily of winning that game if it goes to five yeah. and it goes back to Atlanta, um, especially if, you know, they can't win. They'll probably be back to Wheeler at least again on that game, right? <sighs> Not sure. That's that part is beyond me. I don't yeah. I don't know the rotation order well enough. Um, but again, if you're looking for more specifics on that, you can check out thegoodfight.com, which is the Phillies equivalent of Bleeding Green Nation. They have a ton of great coverage there. In addition to the the website, um, their podcast network as well. So you can go check all that out. Uh, that does it for this episode of BGN Radio. Some nice Phillies talking there. You have to. Yeah, when the Phillies are in the playoffs, you know, when they're in the playoffs, especially playoffs. Uh, you have to, you have to, you have to talk about it. So sorry if you were an out of towner, maybe you tuned out and you don't care about the Phillies. Uh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal in Philadelphia sports culture. I feel like, uh, actually it, it, like... it, was, it, was, it was funny. What? Like after the game on Sunday, Nick Sirianni was like, ah, it's a great, great time to be a, a Philadelphia sports fan. And, yeah. you know, cause the Eagles are five and oh, and the Phillies are in the playoffs yeah, yeah. and we got the Sixers coming up. And then like, he realized, oh, I didn't mention the Flyers. <laughs> And he goes, oh, yeah, and the Flyers, too. <laughs> <laughs> Flyers are in for a tough year from uh, my understanding from afar. Uh, they're, like, they're like terrible. Yeah. Not, like, terrible on purpose, like, tanking. Like, they're trying to be good and also, like, terrible. Um, <laughs> right. So, whatever. Not going to get into Flyers talk here. Um, but that was funny. And uh, But there is something to be said for that. Um, even if you're not a Phillies fan, just like the vibe that's going on in Philadelphia right now, like with the Phillies being good and with the Eagles being good and with the Sixers having these high expectations, there's just, you feel something special here, yeah, special energy and, and sports is, this goes without saying, but sports is such a big part of Philadelphia culture and the fabric of the city. And it's just, you can just tell, like, there's like, just, there's just an excitement in the town. Like you can just feel the energy is different and people are excited and it's, and it's, uh, maybe people are even happier. I would say like, it's just, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a fun time. It's a special yeah. time. So, um, and there would be so I, I talked about the negative side earlier of the Eagles, you know, losing to the Cowboys and then having to deal with that for two weeks. The Eagles beat these Cowboys, mm. even if it's Cooper Rush, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Advanced it, to it, six and zero. Oh, yeah, advanced to six and zero. Oh, heading into the bye with a game against the Steelers, who, by the way, have the worst point differential in the NFL. Yeah, right they're now. bad. Up next, it's like you know, and just then the stretch beyond that, it's like man. Eagles could do something special here in pretty good spot. Um, but we will get into the Eagles Cowboys preview show. Probably record that tomorrow. I'm guessing um, we'll have to figure that out. Um, check out all of our work. Uh, check me 
on bleedinggreennation.com, Jimmy Kemsky on phillyvoice.com, at Brandon Gowton on Twitter and Instagram, at Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter and Instagram, at BGN underscore radio. Jimmy, I don't know if you noticed this, but BGN underscore radio is verified. now. Verified no. podcast Twitter account. I'm the not. Only, <laughs> huh? I'm yeah, not. You're not. But the podcast <laughs> is. The, maybe this will help. Maybe, uh, you know, someone will catch wind that you're, you know, one of the BGN <laughs> radio hosts. And uh, I will say, like, like not trying. This is just objectively true. It's not subjective. It's the only Eagles podcast that is verified on Twitter. Yeah. So there okay. you go. Um, it's just the fact. How did that happen? Uh, did, did like did did uh, somebody have to say, "Hey, can we be verified?" Uh, I think it's just about the world recognizing the greatness. Of <laughs> okay, Radio fair TV. enough. Um, so that's cool. Uh, check out at Bleeding Green on Twitter as well. Um, and then uh, Righteous Felon Craft Jerky at RighteousFelon.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. That's RighteousFelon.com. BGN15 for 15% off when you use that discount code. And then if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, you want to call or text, contact Christian Roach of Roach Realtors by using this number. 856-906-9295. We will be back soon. Goodbye, everybody. P G N.